Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. The Savior, this is the second thing, the Savior has been gifted to us. And the third thing I want to say is that we as civilization, do not need to judge the gift by the wrapping. We need a Savior. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Lord Jesus, clearly, Father, we are in desperate need of you, Lord, and uh, we're reminded of this in so many ways every day of our life. uh, Through the storms, through crises, through... uh, uh, struggles that all of us can, can make a long list of. Lord, we know that the only, the only one that uh, makes this world make any sense whatsoever is, is you. And so, Father, we give you praise for that, that uh, we can have true peace in the midst of a storm. We can have a, a crazy joy that doesn't make sense. And Lord Jesus, we, we praise you, Father. Lord, is the song we sang this morning, A Holy Night, that uh, a friend was born to us. And Father, we know we can call out to you and you speak to us and you comfort us and you walk with us so carefully, so gently, so in a way that we need so badly. We give you praise this morning for the privilege it is to, to call you our Savior. Lord, we need you. And so, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to look uh, at this point. We need a Savior. And uh, I think Paul, uh, Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament, is, uh, says it in a way that uh, he had a way of summarizing and, and making things concise. He also had a way of making things very confusing sometimes um, in, in long explanations of, of truth. But here, here's a summary, uh, Romans 3, 21 through 26. But, but now the righteousness, Romans 3, 21 through 26, and yes, it's there, great. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, great word, use that today at lunch, as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We all need a Savior. Uh, I went camping this this last couple of nights. We just got back yesterday with some some great, great friends. And friends, people I would actually consider family, just a dear, dear family and friends. We just had a great time. Uh, There were a lot of takeaways from our trip. Uh, uh, More weight. Uh, We had some good meat. But uh, one of the greatest takeaways for me was just, again, the reaffirmation that as we sat around all different ages of, of guys and uh, different walks, different history of life, but uh, the one screaming 
reality that we all, I think, all came away from that time was, was realizing that every one of us desperately needs a Savior. There's not one of us who's more educated or less educated or older or younger. Uh, that made no difference. The, the, the uniting factor is that all of us realize that uh, old or small, experienced, whatever titles you might have, that we needed a Savior. It was refreshing to hear each other's stories of, of mistakes that had been made and you know, life experiences that were different from the other. All of us realizing that none of us are perfect. All of us need a Savior. It's a refreshing unity in that. And as we sat around the campfire, that just was reaffirmed over and over and over again. Our unity and the sweetness of our time together was because of Jesus uh, and, and what, what he does for us. We need a Savior. All of us around that campfire are, are fully aware that we need a Savior. Uh, we need a Savior. All of us do. This world is lost without Jesus Christ. Um, in the midst of all the storms we've experienced lately, and maybe you've had a little bit more than the next guy or the next lady, but hopefully you've realized that Jesus Christ is in the midst of the storm, uh, that Jesus Christ is there ready in the deepest part of, of these days and is there for you to be your Savior, to be your comforter, to be your friend. We need a Savior. And, and by golly, praise the Lord, a Savior has been gifted to us. Uh, we needed a Savior. Uh, the, the, the true Christmas story really is that God, so aware of our desperate need, provided a way for us to be saved. That, that really is the beauty and sweetness of the story. Matthew 1 uh, details the story in such a, a raw and personal way. Matthew 1, verse 18. I just want to read it with you, and it's going to pop up on the screen. So this is, says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born, as we heard this morning already. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, God with us. This is how the Messiah was born, the Savior. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. My son, my youngest son, Chad, sent me a, uh, a video of our granddaughter, Penelope, reciting this Christmas story. She's, uh, she's learning it by memory, the scriptural story. And uh, I was very moved by this presentation from my granddaughter. Uh, who's uh, trying to get this perfectly. So Chad was, the video is Chad working with Penelope, getting the words exactly right. So you listen to this story from a child sometimes, and we've done this many times, right? We've heard this story from, from very clean sources, you know, very uh, beautiful buildings sometimes with flowers and Christmas trees and whatever else, and we hear the story. Not, 
And sometimes we can miss how raw this story really is, realizing of how unconventional this is. What an incredible story and how Jesus came to us in the most unconventional way. It's extraordinary. And we can miss this, that Jesus actually came into our storm and became our Savior. If you look at the situation surrounding this story, you realize that Jesus, the moment he was born, the moment he was predicted to come, he was under attack. The king at the time tried to kill him, right? You, you know the story. And then born to a woman who, who was not married. And in those days, he was, she was engaged, but not married. And, and uh, we don't know this for a fact. It's not, we don't see this in Scripture. But uh, I would imagine that it was, it was Mary who told Joseph that uh, she was uh, pregnant. And that, uh, by the way, the Father is the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, just, just for a moment, if you're in this situation, you're the husband or the gay, you're the fiancé and your wife comes and tells you, your to-be wife tells you that she's pregnant, and then she tells you it's the Holy Spirit, what would you do? I think most would say, right. <laughs> right. There's no description of what Joseph thought. We only see in Scripture what Joseph decided to do. The next word there is, so Joseph, because he's a righteous man, decided, her, decided to divorce her, you know, quietly. So maybe it would help if we all understood kind of the history and historical reference here and the cultural reference here so you can understand. In those days... Uh, and still today this happens, but in those days specifically, parents would actually come together and talk about their children and how we hope that someday maybe our children could marry. Uh, today we, we do that, but we kind of, it's kind of a joke, right? Someday, you know, I want your daughter to marry my son. I've said that to families. Uh, it never worked. Uh, but I'm very happy with who they married, by the way. Uh, but this engagement would have happened as they were children, and then uh, as they got older and old enough to actually you know, have a conversation, there was the, what we would call the betrothal, okay? So they were engaged as children, and then there was the betrothal. Betrothal, all that was, was more of a formal engagement to be married. At that moment, Mary could have said to Joseph, you know, thank you, I know we've been engaged since we were kids, but uh, I don't like the way you brush your teeth. And, uh, or, you know, something that she could, have, she could have bailed out at that moment, but she didn't. So they were officially, formally engaged as, uh, you know, Basically, two young adults deciding, yes, we agree with what our parents have agreed about us, and we're going to get married. So this is, this is what would happen. And then, but they were considered, this betrothal was a little bit more than engagement, but not quite a marriage. Uh, so uh, to get out of a betrothal, there had to be a divorce that took place. Now, this is how it worked then. And then but there would have been a moment after the betrothal where there would have been a formal engagement, where there would have been all the things that, that go with marriage would have happened after that, uh, that ceremony. So here we are. They're betrothed to each other, uh, probably engaged since they were children. And then, and then this happens. Mary gets pregnant. But this is not just another out-of-wedlock pregnancy, is it? This is not just the stories that we hear. This is not like stories we're familiar with were uh, a story I read recently uh, of, of a man who uh, he and his wife were separated. And uh, they decided... Uh, to get back together, and then soon after they uh, got back together, she announced to him that she was pregnant. And then 
but later, as this pregnancy increased, he discovered that actually this baby was actually not his. That while they were separated, she had had an affair. And so he chose not to live with her anymore because of the decision she had made while they were separated. This, this is kind of normal, right? Uh, it's betrayal. Uh, and Joseph, though, uh, was willing to not divorce her in a way that would have hurt her reputation. It's very possible that had he decided to, to separate from her at that moment, she could have been stoned to death uh, because the, the community would have realized or would have jumped to the conclusion that this also was not the Holy Spirit and that she had gotten pregnant and having sexual relations with some other man. And potentially in a Jewish faith and Jewish community, she could have been killed because of the decisions she supposedly had made. It took an angel, right? It took an angel, it took someone with a little more credibility to say to Joseph, hey, Mary was telling the truth. The Holy Spirit really has conceived a child in your, in your to-be wife. It's incredible to think about, right? So, Moses, so Joseph does the right thing and stays with her, but does not have sexual relations with her, we're told, until they actually officially get married. Jesus. Everything changes, right? Everything changed for Joseph when he realized that this child truly is the Savior. And we don't know all the other stories that were happening in Joseph's mind and in their family, but we do know that the moment the angel said this to him, as he considered this in Matthew 1, 20 through 21, as he considered getting rid of, his, getting rid of this Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That for there is just, is the reader is like, his name will be Jesus. So this makes sense, right? His name is Jesus, therefore he's going to save the people from their sins. This would have been so understood by Joseph, the name actually, Jesus, would have been understood that this meaning of the name Jesus, God is salvation. This would have been an instant understanding from Joseph's part. He would have gotten it. We, because of our English, we've kind of taken the name of Jesus and, and sort of uh, anglified it. We've made it to where it, it, what we say doesn't actually communicate the meaning of his name. But the name Jesus means God is salvation. And when Joseph would have heard this name, he would have instantly understood the power and the meaning of the name Jesus. He would have heard this. You, a child is born that's been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and you will name him God is our salvation. Because he will save his people from their sins. That's how Joseph would have heard it. It was kind of a no-brainer, right? You're going to name him the Savior of the world because he's going to save the world from their sins. And so Joseph did the honorable thing because he was a righteous man. This name, Jesus, is such a powerful name, right? Linguistically, the name Yehoshua, Yeshua, Jesus, conveys the idea that God, Yahweh, delivers or saves and delivers through his servant Messiah who bears his name, Jesus our Savior. 
Jesus is the Savior. And, and everything should change in our lives when we realize that this Jesus we talk about truly is the Savior. Our tendency in our world is to just see him as something other than the Savior. Our world considers him maybe just a good man or a prophet. Or, or for many, Jesus is just uh, a name we use as a slang curse word. Uh, whenever we are doing something and we hurt ourselves we, or we get offended, we curse very often using his name. And yet he is the Savior of the world. First John 5, 11 through 12 says this. There, John who walked with Jesus. Th- these are his very concise statements. First John 5, 11 through 12. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in who? His son. And he goes on to say it in a way that is just that we can't set it aside. Whoever has the son has what? Life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Jesus is the Savior. Without him, we have no life. We might be like Joseph and want to send Mary and Jesus away, thinking it's just another baby out of wedlock. When Joseph was told that Jesus is the Savior, that changed everything. The Savior has been given. And truly, when we stop and realize that this Jesus who we're talking about truly is the Savior, we need to stop everything. We need to push through all cultural convention, con- con- convention, all cultural norms and say, no, I'm going to set everything else aside and I'm going to embrace this Savior. That's the invitation to us. That's the gift. The fact that he truly is the Savior of the world changes everything, or at least it should. We need a Savior, and we've been gifted a Savior. But we tend to judge the gift by the wrapping. I don't know if you do this or not, but very often the way Jesus is packaged to us is the very reason why we don't receive him or follow him. One of the ways we've been doing it lately is that Jesus has been packaged in the storm of COVID. I don't know if you realize that, but the Savior has been wrapped in this global pandemic. And often we have chosen to focus on this pandemic and focus on the storms. If it's not the storm that is throughout the world, it may be the storm of just your life or your family. And we've missed Jesus in the middle of that storm. Certainly, Jesus could have been totally missed by Joseph had he just stuck with his cultural bias and his norm and his, and his wrongful way of doubting his fiancée. You, you realize that Joseph actually believed his own truth, which was not true, until the angel came and said, hey, she really is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. We can miss it. Jesus enters the world in the most unconventional way. Born under threat of government. Born in poverty. He was laid in a manger, for goodness sakes, in a barn. And to a supposed loose woman. 
you might have rejected Christ because you heard about him from your from your child maybe maybe your 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 child gave his, his or her life to Christ and ran home and and told you how his or her life has been changed and you just didn't believe because it's your child for goodness sakes that maybe Jesus was presented by a bizarre preacher you may have heard about Jesus from me and you think oh gosh I, I was at a school one time doing a, uh, an assembly, and I told a joke before I actually presented my message. And uh, I heard about this later, but one of our students who was standing by another student at this assembly uh, looked over to, the, to the, the, the YWAPER and said, Is this guy even a pastor? I should have chosen a funnier joke or something. But I think we can miss Jesus because of those who are representing him or those who present him. But he's still the Savior, regardless of how he's wrapped. As a Jew, you would be aware that the Messiah was promised. You would know, culturally, you would know at that time that Jesus was coming, that Jesus had been promised. And so many signs were there. What, the sign in the stars? All of these things were happening. And yet, culturally, we know that so many of the, especially the Jews in those days, missed the Savior. We need, very often, this, this extra credibility that comes in the form, in this case, of an angel. And it wasn't just Mary, it wasn't just Joseph who, who, who got to have an angel. It was also the shepherds, right? The shepherds who were watching their sheep at night. Uh, I love this. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And then, thank you, uh, Dr. Luke, for saying this to us. They were terrified. Right? They were absolutely terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I'll bring you, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a, a baby wrapped snugly in strips of, of cloth lying in a manger of all places. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, God, glory to God in the highest heaven. Can you imagine this moment? Wow, and in, at peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, they could speak again, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Praise God that we, God gives us extra ways of drawing us to himself. We can, we can miss, though. We can miss the Savior because of the messenger. We can miss the Savior because we're focused on the wrapper. We do this. This is a concept called... Ad hominem. You've heard of this before? It's what lawyers do. It's, an argue, it's, a, it's a way of arguing a case based on discrediting the person that's on the stand. Ad hominem. They, they, they break down the arguments not because, of just, not because of the argument itself, but because of the credibility of the person who's spoken. How can we trust a person who has this kind of a character is how they operate it. Consider the source, Right? Sometimes we say, that can't be true. Consider the source. Look who's talking, right? Isn't that your favorite one on the playground? Right? You're a jerk. Well, look who's talking. Yeah. 
You're ugly. Well, you're uglier. Doesn't really matter. We don't really know who's handsome or pretty. But we decide they're ugly because they're jerks. Look who's talking. You hypocrite. You racist. Oh, that guy's just a racist. That guy's just a jerk. You can't trust anything he has to say. I used to change your diapers. Who do you think you are? So we miss the truth of the gospel because of how the gospel's wrapped so often. Certainly we should be careful how we represent Jesus, right? As ambassadors of Christ, because Christ will be judged based on how we present him. That's, that's a huge point of this sermon. But, but a greater point is that, for me, is that I can miss Jesus, and I can miss Jesus loving me and speaking to me comfort because I judge the messenger who's given me this truth about Christ. I need to work on that. Yes, I need to certainly work on being a greater and more clear ambassador for Jesus Christ. But I just think of the million times I've missed the Savior because I've been focused on the storm. Or I've missed the Savior because I'm focused on some bizarre way of presenting the Savior by some preacher I'm listening to or, or, or some worship group I'm listening to. I just don't like that they're kind of off-key and so I miss the Savior because I focus on you know, the, the dissonant notes instead of Jesus himself. When a preacher fails morally, and there's a lot of these lately, right, where these prominent, skilled preachers have some moral failure, and so we then discount every single thing they've ever said about Jesus. And so often they've spoken the truth, and they have spoken and, and pushed the message of the Savior, but we've missed it because we've judged his moral failure, not realizing that even that preacher needs a Savior and needed a Savior every time he stood in the pulpit to speak about the Savior, he also needed a Savior. That was true from the time he was born till the time he dies. He needs a Savior, and he's going to make mistakes. We judge Jesus by the lifestyle of those who claim to know him, right? We all do this. We judge Jesus by the history of the church. We can make a case against all of those who claim to follow Jesus over, the, over thousands of years and say, look at what the church has done. Well, the church is just full of a bunch of nuts, fruits, and flakes who needed a Savior. We point, out, we point to, to you know, governmental decisions based on church uh, direction, like the Crusades. Many point to, to the, the, uh, the doctrine or the, the policy of apartheid. And we decide, how can we trust anyone who... who supported that kind of, of a governmental stance? How could we do that? How could we, how could we ever see the Savior in a racist human being? We judge Jesus by the doctrine of the church. We often miss Jesus by just loving the written form, the written Bible. And then we miss the living word, which is Jesus himself. We lift up doctrine over Christ. Primarily, we miss Jesus as we focus on the storm. We can say, there must not be Jesus here because of all this anarchy that I'm living in. 
and we miss the Savior. When I was uh, in, in grade five, um, I was living with my parents at the time. I had parents. And we had traditions. We had Christmas, Christmas traditions. And I, I, have, I still have amazing parents. And my parents would set up our house for Christmas every year. We had an aluminum foil Christmas tree. I'm not kidding you. Now, this was some marketing agenda, okay? So there were companies who would make Christmas trees out of aluminum foil and then sell them to people, and people would buy them. My family was one of those. We had a silver aluminum foil Christmas tree. Uh, it kind of was supposed to be like, oh, this is supposed to be like, uh, you know, like winter, like it's covered in snow. It was fantastic. We would put Christmas lights on it, and then we could touch the tree and, and be shocked by these. It was really cool. We would touch it every now and again just to see if we could get by. Get our feet wet, touch the Christmas tree often. Good, good times, good times. Wholesome family gatherings we would have. House would be decorated, candles, and we'd have Christmas music playing on the LP. You know what an LP is? I'll tell you later if you don't know what that is. Incredible. And then we had this tradition. Christmas Eve, in my house, I know here Christmas Eve is like Christmas when you get the presents, right? In my house, Christmas Eve, you could not still touch a Christmas. We'd, get to, we'd open one present on Christmas Eve right before midnight, and then we would get up early the next morning, the 25th of December, and we were hoping that the living room around the Christmas aluminum foil Christmas tree would be covered in presents. And we would have to wait in our rooms until Santa Claus gave us the okay. Santa Claus being represented by my parents, by the way, uh, would allow us down the stairs. We live in a two-story house and to come in. And we could look over the banister of, the, that, of those stairs and see what was laid out in the living room. So we anticipated this. We got excited about this. We couldn't sleep at night, right? I mean, we were up before our parents, waiting for our parents to get up, for goodness sakes, to let Santa in so we could have our moment. So we went down, sure enough, this morning, presents everywhere, incredible, and we opened presents, fantastic. But in the back of our minds, my brother and I had hoped we'd kind of sent hints out to our parents about a gift that we had wanted. We started hinting to our parents in January of that year we were organized, very administrative brother and I. We, we planned ahead for Christmas, always. We didn't plan ahead for anything else, but Christmas presents, very important, very important. So we open up our presents, we think we're done. And that one thing we both wanted had not been given, but we were gracious and we were grateful to our parents, even so. Even though in the back of our hearts and minds we were thinking, oh, this is great, Mom and Dad, but I really wish. We didn't say that. Had we said that, we'd have been kicked out of the house for good. No, we would not. My parents would have been nice. So here we are, Christmas Day. We think we're done. And then my dad says this. This is so my dad. He says, boys, you think you found all the presents yet? You got, got, y'all opened all your presents yet? I said, yeah, I think so. You sure? And my brother got this glint in his eye. ha, <laughs> ha. There is a blanket around the bottom of the Christmas tree, for goodness sakes. We haven't looked under the blanket. So my brother boldly goes to the tree, rips off this blanket, and there around the base of our aluminum fall tree are two tiny little gifts. We're thinking, this can't be anything. So we were like, ah! You know, that was kind of what we felt. So Dad handed us these two little gifts. We started opening up like, And sure enough, wrapped in a 
It's like a plastic Tupperware, this ugly wrapping, was a Timex watch, which I so desperately wanted. Back in those days, man, to have a watch that you put around your wrist was the coolest thing. We didn't compare it to smartphones because they didn't exist yet, but a watch. A watch that you wind it, that you wound up. And you could hear it ticking. Yeah. That was the coolest thing in the whole world. Man. But we would have missed it had we judged the wrapping. Incredible gift in this ugly piece of plastic. I put it on real quick. It had a flexi, you know, handle. That was fun. And I got on my bicycle. And I started riding circles around. We had this big yard, our yard. And I would try to ride the bicycle around and get the sun to hit the watch just right so I could go as I was riding. I kept doing circles. Circles. I love my parents. Oh, man, what a great day. I did it all day long, looking at my, my watch. I still have that watch. I still have the container. I keep it. It doesn't work anymore. But it's a reminder for me. Of, of how God, great things can be in, in, in bad wrapping. Jesus has been gifted to us in the most unconventional way. My prayer for you, my prayer for us today, is that we will not miss the Savior. As you're camping, as you're in Swaka, whatever you're doing this Christmas, do not miss the Savior because we need a Savior. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Lord, you are so good to us. Father, forgive us for, for, for judging you, not, not experiencing your presence because of the storm we're living in or whatever doctrinal bias we may have or whatever it is, Father, that distracts us from you. Lord Jesus, Savior, come. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.